You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, we are giving you a full preview for the Alabama Crimson Tide. This weekend on Friday, Notre Dame is facing off with Alabama in the Rose Bowl, the first round of the college football playoff, one versus four. We are getting you folks ready by giving you an offensive and a defensive preview, letting you know all the key important things that are going to go into this game and what should help Notre Dame earn a victory if they can upset the number one team in the country. We will also prepare you for a game that is happening tonight as you're listening to this on Wednesday. Notre Dame is playing UVA in basketball, and we are going to prep you on that as well. Before we get into that, though, folks, I am Joe DeLeon former college long snapper at the University of Rhode Island, and Ryan is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. I'm getting so juiced up, Ryan. We are getting so close, so close to the college football playoff. It's not too far away, and I know everybody wants to play the whole game of Notre Dame's going to get blown out. They don't They don't play well in big games. They don't step up to these, you know, the, these important games. Like, we saw them play poorly, in the ACC championship game. And I still believe that this Notre Dame team is not going to be that type of team. I understand that they didn't play well in the ACC championship game, but I believe firmly they are going to step up to the occasion against Alabama. And I'm not saying that this is a guaranteed victory coming out of my mouth, but I'm saying that this game is going to be a lot closer than people are willing to admit. I I, I definitely agree because, I mean, I've said it multiple times on the show already this season. It definitely does feel different around Notre Dame a little bit this season. You know, even after the loss, it just feels like just listening to Ian Book talk about his teammates and and hearing what Brian Kelly had to say. Like, the, the... the excitement around the team, the chemistry, the the atmosphere around the team, it just se- feels a little different than years past. Like people want to talk about 2012, they want to talk about a couple years ago with the 30 to 3 loss to Clemson in the first round of the playoff. It doesn't feel like that type of season for Notre Dame. Now, I I agree. I'm not going to be predicting a win at least yet, but I will say that I think that this is going to be a whole lot closer than what people think. And if this is the resilient team that I think Notre Dame is, I feel like they're going to come out and they're going to play very hard. And 19 and a half points, I, I feel like if Notre Dame has anything to them and they have any pride in what they've been accomplishing this year and what they do on a day-to-day basis, the daily grind of being a collegiate athlete, that 19 and a half probably stings. And that probably pisses you off, to be honest, a little bit. you know. So I have to think Notre Dame is going to be ready to play for this one. Right, and what honestly gives me more confidence than people who don't really know that much about this Notre Dame team and just go off of the betting line and say, "Oh, they're going to get smacked." They don't. They never play well in these big games. The you know the the typical thing that we've been hearing over the the past few weeks since they lost to Clemson, they don't really understand that how good this defense is, and they got out of their system the issue of 
being distracted by Clark Lee. That is in the past. Clark Lee has indicated that he is focused right now on Notre Dame. He is not worried about any of the, in his own words, the nuts and bolts of preparing for taking over that head coaching job at Vanderbilt. This is his time to shine. There's been too much put into this for them to not focus on what they have coming up for them, facing against one of the best offenses in the country, a team that is averaging over 500 yards per game. And I want to lead into my first point here, Ryan, that I know this is going to sound crazy for some people, but I, and understandably, Mac Jones is a Heisman Trophy candidate right now, and he might possibly end up winning it. But I think Najee, or, uh, Najee Harris, if he's taken out of this game, if you focus on slowing him down and keeping him within a pedestrian rushing total, which that we've seen them do in the past against better offensive lines. I don't think Mac Jones is the type of guy that can take over a game, play hero ball, and win you a football game. I just do not. I don't think he's as good as everybody says he is. He is not a dynamic athlete. He is not Trevor Lawrence. Force him to play in the pocket. He's got good receivers, but if you take that running game away, you're not going to keep them from scoring points. They're, they're still going to put points on the board. They're still going to have big plays. But keep them from scoring 50. Keep it closer to 28 or 30. And I think that is where you need to focus on because you're probably not going to beat this team in a shootout. No, I mean, you're 100% right. And I think the biggest key to what you're saying is Mac Jones is not an amazing athlete. He is a pure pocket quarterback who wants to stay on his spot the zone read game against Clemson was really what did Notre Dame in. We saw the first time around when they could just focus on Travis Etienne. They didn't have to worry too much about DJ Uyunglele off of the read, extending as an RPO passer, extending things in general. Trevor Lawrence was a completely different animal. And the reason that Travis Etienne really started getting going in that game, you know, because you didn't see a ton of touches from him early. But the reason that they started getting, because they had to really play their keys maybe a little more than they had to the first time around because Trevor Lawrence was such a dynamic athlete, had over 90 yards rushing as Notre Dame, and it seemed like in key spots he would break off a big run. In this game, you are literally, can pin your ear back and say, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, like those are the guys we need to stop. We don't have to worry too much about the read off of Mac Jones. Can he do some RPO stuff? Yes, Alabama will, will do that in the passing game. But the, the fact that Mac Jones is not the threat of a runner that a guy like Tre uh, Trevor Lawrence is, I think is even more important than just him not being nearly as gifted of a passer either. We have the ability now to really focus on the running game and stop who is their best football player offensively, probably outside of Devonta Smith, and that is Najee Harris. It's a very close debate on who's the more important player for the offense. I'm going to lean Najee Harris, though, just because he's touching the ball at such a high rate in the run and pass game. He's the guy that you absolutely need to neutralize. Uh, exactly. It completely hitting the nail on the head there of what I was trying to illustrate. What killed Notre Dame, and we saw them actually start the game out well. They got a turnover. They weren't allowing any crazy big gains on that first drive against Clemson. Getting that pick really helped get them some momentum, but the offense started to sputter and struggle. We're going to get to talking about Alabama's defense soon, but what ended up hurting them so much is once they said, all right, you know what? We're going to confuse the hell out of them. Trevor's a really good athlete. We're going to run the zone read. Mac Jones is not a, an athlete by any measure. He is not athletic. He's probably one of the least athletic quarterbacks uh, in this upcoming draft cycle, despite people trying to act like he is some first-round talent. And I, I don't think that he will provide any value outside of throwing the football. And if you force him to have to throw the ball 50 times a game, 
I don't really trust a guy like that to win me a football game. Ryan, what what are your thoughts? What do you think is going to be important for this game? Well, I, I think that making this offense uncomfortable in general is a big point of emphasis, forcing them to being one-dimensional like we did to Clemson the first time around. And I think that the big key, honestly, is this offensive line up front from Alabama was one of the, the, the Joe Moore Award finalists. They are an exceptional, talented team. Starting from left to right, we have Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown, but a couple of senior bowlers. Chris Owens is going to be filling in for Landon Dickerson. We talked about this a bunch yesterday. That is a big loss for Alabama, but Chris Owens still has some starting experience. So it's not like he is the, you know, it's not like he is a guy like Zeke Corral, for instance, when he was in his first start getting his first college action. Like Chris Owens has seen some action. Then you have Emil Ekior, I think is how you pronounce it, the right guard number 55. He is a very good football player, redshirt sophomore. Keep an eye on him for NFL draft circles. And then Evan Neal, who is all of six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pounds at right tackle, probably the next big thing from that Alabama offensive line. If we're talking about future first round selections, what you'll notice though, and is the consistent thing about this offensive line, Ekior is three hundred twenty five plus pounds. Deontay Brown is three hundred fifty pounds. This team wants to run right at you. They want to get vertical in a hurry. They this is not a lateral based running attack where they're going to move from gap to gap laterally a bunch. This is a power-running football team. They'll run some inside zone, but they're not going outside of their structure too much. They're not getting outside of their frame too much. How Notre Dame needs to neutralize that unit, they need to use speed. They need to, to neutralize the physicality with speed up front. What does that mean? You can't just ask guys like Kurt Heinisch and Myron Tungo Amosa, excuse me, who are good football players, but... If we're just focusing on them winning one-on-one matchups up front against these type of maulers, I think that that really goes into Alabama's hand. I'm talking about like, hey, man, we saw what Brett Venables does a lot with a lot of A-gap, B-gap blitzes with their linebackers, tries to really use their speed to neutralize players, and it worked. Obviously, this past this past game against Clemson, that's what Notre Dame needs to do. They need to take a book out of Brett Venables, and they need to really attack those A and B gaps and get guys like Deontay Brown and Ekior and Chris Owens coming back into the starting lineup. They need to get them uncomfortable. Even Evan Neal, who is a gifted athlete for his size, he's 360 pounds. We need to make these guys uncomfortable. We need to get them that we're, they're missing assignments, that they are trying to, to do too much. Like That is what we need to do. Guys like... Shane Simon and Maris Loyfeld are more athletic linebackers. I am going to have a huge point of emphasis on them. Kyle Hamilton blitzing at times. We need to be able to mix up blitz looks. We need to make this team uncomfortable because that is the way that we're going to neutralize them. You're not going to neutralize this type of Alabama offensive line by saying we are just going to physically try to dominate you up front man-to-man and not blitz a ton. That is not going to work. We need to put pressure on this team. We need to make them uncomfortable, and we need to make them start thinking too much. Where are the blitzes coming? Because that is when you see guys like a Deontay Brown, who is a good football player. But at 350 pounds, he's not going to redirect too much. If he's thinking a ton during the snap and he is overcompensating for his lack of lateral movement, that I think is where Notre Dame can take real advantage of what Alabama has up front. Exactly. Dealing with a big, heavy group. The way you beat that, speed, run around them. Use the athletes that you have on your defense. You have some legit guys who run in the 4-4s with a Jeremiah Usakoramaya, with a, uh, uh, 
Wusukoromoa. My apologies. Such a tongue twister when you try to say it too fast. Kyle Hamilton's a fast guy. You got the athletes. Use them. Don't try to use your heavy players. Don't try to outmuscle them. It's just not going to work in your favor. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Alabama defense. Before we get to that, Ryan, can you share with our listeners a message from Built Bar? Yeah, I, I've been a huge supporter of Built Bar for several months since I heard them on Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes several months ago. Just keep hammering home like Built Bar, the best protein bar on the market. And I have to tell you, you're a little skeptical until you actually try it. And when I tried it, I was immediately hooked. And now they even have a better flavor profile, even more flavors to choose from. Now, a made. 18 amazing flavors, including both nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new ones on the market, which include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and almond apple crisp. Sorry, apple almond crisp. There we go. They have a flavor for everybody and anybody. If you're a traditionalist and you are coming back to Built Bar again after getting with them early, coconut almond is still there, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, amongst a few others, and the absolute best protein bar that I have personally ever had, peanut butter brownie. All of their bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, very delicious. Built Bar is also great for the health-conscious guy on the go. You can lose or maintain weight with them while indulging in one of these delicious treats. The bars are all low-calorie, low-sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber. They're also great for the keto diet. Some of those flavors I mentioned before, like peanut butter, for instance, 19 grams of protein, but only 180 calories, only five grams of sugar, only five net car, uh, five grams of net carbs. And that is consistent across these bars, coconut, almond, cherry, barcia, cookies and cream. They all have similar nutritional facts. So what does that mean? That means that these bars are equally as good for you as they are delicious tasting as well. Bell Bar has now also reset the promo code for the relaunch. You can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So take advantage of that offer to take, to do so. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, that's all capital, LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Betting on Notre Dame doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the new Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast folks also make sure you hit that subscribe button for our show so you can stay up to date on everything coming out after the Alabama game uh, that is being played this Friday so getting into defense Ryan why don't you hit us with what you think is going to be so important for this Notre Dame offense facing a interesting defense a defense that has athletes they've got some talented players but they also have some overhyped names in my opinion What, what do you think is going to be the key here yeah, uh, I mean, so when we were going into the year, and this is from an NFL draft perspective real quick, everybody was talking about Dylan Moses, and they have been for a couple years. Because going into the 2019 season, he was going to be a true junior, and everybody was like, "He, this guy is a first-round lock, top-ten player maybe. Like, that is probably the height of what he can do after his sophomore season in 2018. He, of course, tore his ACL, missed all of 2019, came back this year, and then again, people had high hopes because he was – a five-star player, 
you know, he has been one of those guys who's been hyped since he was a 15-year-old kid with his first offer from LSU about uh, he's the next big thing. He Somebody called him, I think, the LeBron James of football when he was still in junior high. Like, he was that caliber of player. I will say, his tape this year has been very rough. Uh, especially if you're go if you want to see a bad game, just a really bad game overall from a prospect. The Ole Miss game this year was one of the worst films I've seen of any defensive player this year. Now Dylan Moses is still phenomenally talented. Christian Harris, number eight, might even be a better football player when all is said and done. They are very talented football players. If Notre Dame is working laterally against this team, it's going to be a long day because there is athletes everywhere. There is speed everywhere. But taking the the book from a team like Ole Miss, who had very high success offensively, especially when manipulating those second-level defenders, including Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, they used a ton of motion, ton of redirection. Their star receiver, Elijah Moore, would come underneath on some counter, some counter movement. They would run inside zone, and Dylan Moses would be completely out of his gap. If Notre Dame is going to be successful against this defense – we need to get downhill in a hurry. Early uh, in a hurry, we need to get vertical against this team, and we need to lose a lot of misdirection, a lot of motion. The eyes on the second level from guys like Dylan Moses and Christian Harris are not great. They are great athletes. Their eye and their their instincts right now are not great, and they haven't been all season. We can manipulate this team. You can manipulate the second level. This can't be a thing where you just say we're going to line up and then we're going to see who the better football team is. You're not going to win that way. We need to be able to really manipulate their eyes create some opportunities, get guys out of gaps with motion, coming across. There's a lot of opportunity here. Notre Dame can score points on this Alabama defense. This is not the traditional Alabama defense. They have guys still, like Christian Barmore that we talked about yesterday, like Patrick Sertan, who are probably going to be first-round selections as early as this year, even for a guy like Christian Barmore, who's just been kind of hitting his stride later in the season. So 2021 NFL draft is, again, going to be littered with a lot of Alabama talent on defense. But this has not been a great unit this year. They have been very hit or miss, better the latter stages of the season. But I think specifically on the second level, Notre Dame could do a lot of things to get some very advantageous situations against this team. Get the, get their eyes moving one way, working against what, what their, their keys are. And I think that we could have a lot of success not only in the run game, but also in the pass game with, with manipulating those players. Yeah, and that's obviously the long of what I wanted to bring up. But you bring up a lot of good points. They have the athletes, but some of these athletes that they have are not really playing up to the potential that we thought that they would be at this season. Dylan Moses, I think, is the epitome of of that discussion where he's so talented and he was expected to be this top 10 linebacker. But right now, this season, he's played like crap. He has not played up to that up to that billing. And if you disagree with us, go put on the tape. Go watch him play. He is not a quick processor. He, he takes a lot of time to make decisions. So if you put any situation where he has to think and figure out what's going on in front of him, you are going to cause a guy like Dylan Moses to trip up. And when you have somebody who is considered to be the the center of the defense, the, the, the quarterback of the defense with your middle linebacker, if that guy's messing up and he's making mistakes because he's confused, everybody else is going to make mistakes. That's how, that's how these things work when you play such a team-centric sport. And I just want to hit on... The, the simplified version of what you just brought up, Ryan, this, this group's only allowing around 100 rush yards per game. And that's a pretty good statistic. But I don't think that's truly indicative of what this group is actually like. They have some athletes on the defensive line. Christian Barmore is a talented defensive tackle. But I think separate from that, if you can reach those second-level defenders and you can block well, 
you can pick up some huge gains running the ball. I don't think this is going to be like Clemson where Brent Venables completely neutralized the uh, the Notre Dame rushing attack, completely took them out of it and prevented them from running the ball where Ian Book had to play completely out of structure and was getting sacked. I don't think that's going to be the same case here. I think you're going to be able to effectively run the football. I mean, this all comes down to what we're saying here, that we're shocked by how big the margin is. I think that Notre Dame is actually a good matchup here for Alabama on the two things that we've illustrated offensively and defensively. And honestly, this game could either turn out to be a massive blowout, not in favor of Notre Dame, which is what everyone's saying, or frankly, I think this is going to be a close game and Notre Dame could very well come out on, you know, on the strong side of this. Well, I, well, I let my long-winded thing about like manipulating second-level defenders. We have, why I say this so much is that we have the players to do it. We have Avery Davis who can be that guy that's coming across the formation underneath. We have two tight ends that can play football, man. Michael Mayer and, of course, Tommy Tremble, who's probably the most important player in this matchup, in my opinion. If we're really trying to manipulate the second-level defender, hey, this guy can play fullback. He can play um, on the wing as an H-back. He can play in line. He could be that moving chess piece that can give Alabama a ton of problems. So why I'm saying this and why we, this, this is such a big emphasis is because Notre Dame has the opportunity and they have the pieces. Notre Dame should be playing a punch, bunch of 12, uh, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. That's how I think that they really need to win this football game. We're not going to just sit there and be boring and say, hey, we're going to run right at you because we have a great offensive line. You're not going to win that way. Christian Barmore, as great as a prospect as he is and as athletic as he is, you can run at him a little bit. Notre Dame can get this run game going. They just have to be more creative and they have to understand what the weaknesses are on the second level because there is opportunity to be had. Notre Dame can do it, man. I don't want this defeatist attitude like Notre Dame's not going to be able to run the ball. Notre Dame can run the ball. They just need to, they just need to choose their spots and they need to understand what the weaknesses of Alabama is. All right, because we have to move on. Let's be concise here to wrap up the Alabama preview. Ryan, where do you sit? What is your score prediction? And then I'll give mine. Oh, man, I was hoping you were going to go first. Um, do you want me to I, go first? I can go first. I got it. I got it. If you got, got something planned, let me Let's hear it. Yeah. All right, I think that I'm, I'm going very similar to the Clemson game. This game is not going to be as high scoring and as wide of a gap as we think it will be. I'm obviously a homer, so I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win. I'm not going to pick against my team in football. I'm just not. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame in this one. Let's go 38 to 35. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know what? I think if Notre Dame wins this game, it's going to be a dog play. And it has to be very low scoring. Even more really? low scoring than that. So I'm going to say. I thought that's pretty low scoring for these two teams. Uh, it, it, I mean, not for Notre Dame sort of. But uh, for Alabama, definitely low scoring. But I'm going to go really low scoring. I'm going to pick Notre Dame as well because – I have to, right? Like that's I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have that defeatist attitude and say Notre Dame's gonna lose a football game. I, I until it happens, if it happens, it happens. But I'm gonna go Notre Dame twenty eight, Alabama twenty five. Not sure where the five comes from, but damn, that there's, is low there's scoring. gonna there's gonna be like a two point conversion or something at some point. Okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Betting they're, expert. they're gonna cut it to three. They're gonna cut it to three late, okay. late, and then that's where the that's where the five comes from. Betting okay. expert Ryan Roberts says take the under. Take the under. Yes. Fun. Take the under. <laughs> Definitely take the under. Yes. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about UVA, which is being played later. Uh, Notre Dame versus UVA. 
We're going to get to that very soon. Before we do, though, folks, I want to talk to you about bet online. Talk about taking the over or the under. Are we ready for the college football playoff this weekend? Are we ready to put some money down and make some money? If you are confident in Notre Dame, go sign up with bet online. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline and use that promo code Locked on for your 50% off, sorry, your 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put $1,000 down, you get an extra $500 to bet with. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't be like me. Don't have that itch. Don't give your friends advice. Be the one who makes the money this weekend. There is tons of games, NFL, college football, bowl games, college basketball, NBA. There are so many games. Go bet. Go make some money if you want to have fun this weekend. Don't blow your your life savings on it, but put $10 down on a bet. Have fun. Put some money down. Sign up with BetOnline. Like I said, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, if you're not doing so already, go hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date. And additionally, coming soon to the Locked On lineup, we keep adding more fantastic shows, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Locked On Today, hosted by Peter Bukowski. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. That is unlike any other podcast out there on the market. So make sure you go check that out. All right, Ryan, let's get into talking about this UVA basketball team. This game is being played Wednesday night, which is today when you're listening to this 6 p.m. on the ACC network. Currently 4-2 and two on the year. Their only real notable game on their schedule, their big loss that they suffered was against Gonzaga, which we all know is one of the best teams in the country. They lost by 23 points. They got smoked by Gonzaga. So that that's kind of shows us how they compete against really good teams. Uh, they were supposed to play Michigan State, but that game got postponed. Some other notable stats that I just want to hit on here. They have a negative turnover margin, and they're currently averaging 9.5 turnovers per game. So that's not a good turnover margin. Additionally, they're out-rebounding, out-rebounding teams, and they had a pretty sloppy schedule, some low-tier teams similar to Notre Dame has had recently, only out-rebounding those teams by 4.5 rebounds per game. So this is a, a decent Virginia team, but I think it's worth noting this is not the same Virginia team that we see every single year. I think this is a struggling Virginia team, a struggling UAV program that is just having a little bit of a down year, and they're going to be looking at this as an opportunity to bounce back and get their feet underneath them for what is going to be the beginning of ACC play? Well, this is, I I still think even if it is not the strongest Virginia team that it has been potentially over the last few years, what I still think that they are is the same recipe under head coach Tony Bennett that we've seen over the last few years. If you haven't seen a ton of Virginia games basketball-wise, this is a slow, methodical defensive unit that is going to score a high percentage um, a shoot high percentage, I should say, because they are very, they are very fundamentally sound. They get good looks. They use a large portion of the shot clock, and then they play outstanding defense. They're only averaging about uh, to let up about sixty-one points a game, shooting right around fifty percent from the floor. 
So I still think that there are the elements that Tony Bennett has really instilled in a Virginia team. Now that Gonzaga lost by 23, like you mentioned, Joe, that is very uncharacteristic of this type of team because they don't usually, they definitely don't have lopsided affairs, but they also just, they don't get, they don't usually have bad defensive outings like they did against a team like Gonzaga. This is usually a methodical defensive built team that really uses the clock to their advantage on both sides of the, of, of the floor. So I'm a little surprised of the start they've gotten off to a little bit, but I still think that this is going to be a very tough matchup because what Virginia does is they control the pace all the time. This is what Be Coach Bennett is known for. This is what Virginia is known for. They are that methodical team that is always going to be in the basketball game because they don't shoot themselves in the foot usually, and they control the clock, and they usually do a very good job of kind of neutralizing what the best, what the other team does best against them. Yeah, and this is always going to be a really well-coached program when you face them. It's interesting to note, so their top scorers right now, Sam Hauser and Trey Murphy, they're averaging only 12 points per game. But the one thing that caught my eye is their leading rebounder, only 6.2 rebounds per game. And I, you know, I know we're going through the minutia of, of reading box scores, basically, but that number is not that great, and I decided to do some digging. All right, who, you know, who's their tallest player? Their, their tallest player is Jay Huff, who leads the team in rebounds per game. This man is, is 7'1". He is seven foot one, and he's only averaging six rebounds per game. So I, I don't. Got, he's almost got three blocks a game, though. On the uh, on the positive there. Well, I would hope you'd be blocking that many shots when you're that <laughs> tall. Uh, it's kind of like the jo the Jawan Durham effect. You're tall, you get a lot of blocks, but for some reason you can't rebound very well. So I think this is going to be a game where Durham actually needs to start. I, I, I want to bring that up because I don't think Lashevsky is going to match up very well with a dude that's this big. It's it's one of the rarities I think in modern college basketball. You don't see a lot of. 7-1 and up guys that often because those guys usually either declare early, they usually end up playing maybe overseas, or they'll play in the G League these days when you have guys that are that, are that big. But when you can't rebound the basketball, I think that kind of takes away from it. But regardless, Durham's probably going to have to play this game. Durham's probably going to have to start because he's the only guy big enough that can match up with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, usually those those guys don't last too much in college unless they're not very good. So, yeah, not very good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding completely. But I, I do agree. I, I think I don't completely disagree with the, the thought of of Doran playing a ton. But, like, in my mind, like, Leshevsky forcing him away from the basket a little bit might be a good emphasis to get. Like, because, like, obviously you don't want him near the basket in three blocks a game. But I, I would agree that I think that you need to be – you, ne you definitely need to try to get that type of player, that type of size, especially if he has that that um, that impact on the defensive side of the ball, averaging almost three blocks a game. Like, if we could get him in foul trouble, I think that's a big big point of emphasis that should happen. You know, and John Dorham has no has no problem, and he's never had any problem mixing it up down low, as we've seen by his uh, his personal foul trouble. So, hey, man, if he needs to come into the game, try to get a couple early fouls on a guy like Huff and then kind of force them to play a little more small ball, that might be a good recipe because if they can do that, that really does fit into how Notre Dame needs to play basketball and how they win games because we've seen what, what they are most successful when they have those shooters like Wirtz and Prentice Hub and even Leshevsky for a bigger guy, like they can space the floor a little bit. I think that's when they could probably take the most advantage over a well-coached Virginia team. Exactly. The the strongest basketball that Notre Dame's played this year is with a smaller lineup. And Durham, I think, plays a little bit better coming off the bench. But this might be a different game just based on 
that size issue you're dealing with. Again, I don't want to waste Nate Lashevsky trying to guard Jay Huff because he's your tallest guy. I think it might be one of those games where Bray needs to put him out there, and I honestly would not be shocked uh, to see if he is. That's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date. We are going to give you a recap of this UVA game that is going to be coming to you on the Thursday episode. We will also, the following Monday, we will be doing a um, a full breakdown of the Rose Bowl. We'll be giving you all that information. Uh, folks, additionally, follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and at Locked on Irish on Twitter. If you're looking for something else to tune into, go check out Locked On Bets. Go make yourself some money so you have a little extra cash for this weekend. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Peace.